This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, it's the second of our two quarterback scouting report episodes. Show me your McCorkle, and I'll show you mine. And with me this week to tell us what he would cook if he had to put himself on a plate, it's David Newman. Wait, like what I would cook of myself? No, no, no. I'm so confused. Like, you, you are a chef. You can make a dish. That dish is meant to... Uh, is meant to represent you on a plate. Okay, that's uh, not- very different than what I thought as I'm reading this here. I'm like, are, am I supposed to pick a body part of mine that I think would taste the most delicious? This this went off the rails. Look, Top Chef is back, David. Top Chef is back, and I'm excited. Top Chef is wonderful. It's amazing. It's where I discovered my love of eating other people's delicious cooking. Uh, it's great. And Wonderful. this was the this was the first challenge. The first challenge for all these James Beard winning award winning chefs was like, all right, make us a dish that represents who you are and what you do and what you bring to the table, uh, literally, I guess, and figuratively. Um, and and you know, so I'm asking you the same question, David. What would you make if this were to represent you on a plate? Wow. That's, I feel like we're getting way too deep here, way too early in the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm really not prepared for this question. I don't know. I, I right. feel like I need to maybe, give this some thought. Maybe we'll come back to it at the end, after we've yeah. done all of our scouting breakdown, after we've shown our McCorkles, after we've done all the things. I need at I, least a solid 20 minutes of Mac Jones talk before I'm ready to answer that question. It just warms you up. Yeah. Gets it's you in like a nice the rich lather, you know? It's the appetizer, the appetizer the that represents me is 20 minutes of Mac Jones talk. McCorkle in its original Scottish means appetizer. That's not true, by there the way. <laughs> Can't prove it. This is the second of our episodes where we're going to be talking about Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And we're going to take the same approach as we did last week. We're going to have just kind of a conversation about the quarterbacks, give you a window into what we saw, thinking it's a natural way to compare the two quarterbacks. And at the end, we'll kind of wrap it up with where we think each quarterback lands in terms of their style, where they win, maybe some things to improve, or some other questions that we have about those quarterbacks. Um, and I guess like the place to start, I think for me, is, is with Trey Lance, because I was really excited to watch his tape. I didn't know what I was getting into. Didn't really know what kind of quarterback he would be. You don't really watch a lot of uh, North Dakota State games uh, on <laughs> on the TV. So I th- and everyone, I mean, people have just been talking about Lance. And you look at some people that uh, you really respect in terms of their ranking. And I, I think like Nate Tice had him really high. I think he had him as like his third best quarterback uh, of the five. Um, a lot of people are really just talking about Trey Lance in general. And, and I roll the tape on Lance right away. And we're looking at some of his positive plays, and they're pretty good. Like he he has real the, the thing that jumped out initially for me was his feet and how comfortable he felt he looked in the pocket, uh, and generally how good he looked when he was throwing on rhythm. And of course, his ridiculously live arm. But you look at him on and like first impression from Lance is like, okay, like you're putting some stuff together over there with the bison. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like for me with in, in this area for Lance, it's it was surprising that on one hand that he looked as good as he did and as clean as he did in the pocket sometimes like within structure, like when, when he could throw in rhythm, throw to his first look, um, you know, like you mentioned, there there were definitely a lot of positive plays in there. The, the only thing is like it looked good a lot of the times, but the results were kind of varied. And I, th- I feel like it was more varied than a lot of the the other guys that we've been talking about, you know, in, in this quarterback class. And, and so I think like 
yeah, it, it's he he does have like it, it looks like he has the tools to be able to excel in the pocket within the structure of the offense and and kind of really go um, with with what's drawn up first before he looks to kind of create and improvise or do anything with his legs. Um, but the results weren't always there to match, and and, and that's something I think we'll get into uh, during an, another section of this. And I think what was interesting when when you, we then watched Jones immediately afterwards, it's like, hey, this guy kind of looks good in the pocket with his feet and and, and and on his throws that are on rhythm as well. I think this is really one area where both quarterbacks actually kind of come out pretty well, all things considered. And and I think that if you're looking at you know the end result in in this kind of bucket of things as well, I think Jones had more positive results at the end of his throws when you pair that with the good, clean kind of pocket movement and overall um, things that he can do within the structure of the play that's drawn up for him. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is Mac Jones bread and butter right here. I mean, this is is kind of what his, I, I think, primary selling point is, right, is that he is a guy that that works very well within the structure of the offense. He throws with very good timing. And um, I, I think just because of the type of player he is, and again, some of these things we're going to touch on um, a, a bit as we kind of get deeper into the conversation, but uh, he kind of has to be a, a good, in order to really excel to the level that he was able to excel at last year, um, he has to kind of be a guy that throws consistently with excellent timing and, and throws to good spots. And so, yeah, I, I think when you look at it, kind of the level that he operated that Alabama offense at last year, that's what it comes down to is, is the majority of that stuff was, was stuff from within the pocket, within the structure of the offense. And, and I think that's where he looks his, his kind of cleanest. And if you look at what the Alabama offense does in general, I mean, Sarkeesian loves to run a lot of RPOs. He had a coaching clinic that's on YouTube, which if you're if you're a Texas fan, if you're just a, a fan of good offense and Sarkeesian has put together some amazing offenses, definitely give it a listen. It's on YouTube. But he talks a lot about how he really is trying to force conflict with defenders. And he's like, look, if you're going to stack eight in the box, I'm going to try to pass because you don't have numbers in the passing game. And especially if I can hit you with an RPO where you're committing resources to the run, then I'm going to throw the ball behind you. And that's what you see with the heat map of Mac Jones's both routes run and his targeted passes. He's got that nice cluster in the middle of the field that looks a lot like what the Niners have been doing the last couple of years, where a lot of their targeted passes have been in the middle of the field and kind of in those short underneath areas. Um, and then Sarkeesian says, you know, and if you're going to then put two safeties up, we're going to run the ball. Um, and so you've got a quarterback who is used to an offensive coordinator who likes to lean on the run, targets the middle of the field, uses some RPOs and some play actions. If you're thinking about someone who can work within a structure and work within a pocket, I mean, Mac Jones, I know a lot of people have been pooping on him, myself included. I think I tweeted out today a, a clip, which we'll talk about a little bit later, about his, his movement skills, which is our next thing we're going to talk about. Um, but, you know, you think about what he does in the pocket, and, and I know that he may not be everyone's favorite, but it's not like he is in and of himself a bad quarterback prospect. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he absolutely deserves to be in, in the first round conversation. And we'll talk about, I think, his place kind of in this class uh, at the end, at least as far as is kind of we're we're feeling things out at this stage. And so, yeah, I, I think like he's a guy that, again, has to excel in that area. And, and he was given a lot of opportunities to do it. I mean, he had a ton of open throws. We talked a little bit in regards to Justin Fields at, at times about kind of the the number of um, you know open throws that he had and how you didn't really see necessarily a ton of completions into tighter coverage. I mean, that goes maybe even more so for Mac Jones. I mean, he's just thrown to guys that are just wide the hell open on on the majority of his throws. And and they do set up, I mean, because of the stuff that, that uh, Sarkeesian was doing and, and they were doing last season offensively, like he has a, a lot of easy throws. And, and to his credit, he takes advantage of those easy throws better than probably anyone in this class. Like he just, I think that's the the kind of big thing is he doesn't really miss those. Like he, you give him opportunities underneath in the short and intermediate stuff and you give him open receivers to throw to and, and he hits that with like a very high level of accuracy. I mean, I think you look at the ball location stuff with him and on those type of throws and it's just absurd. Like I, I, you're, we're talking like less than 4% of his throws um, to open receivers under 10 yards um, are, are not catchable. So it's just, he's hitting that stuff at a very, very high clip. 
Now, let's talk about the accuracy of these two players for a bit, because that that is really where these two players begin to to differ. It's where they begin to where we see some real differences between the two. Last thing to wrap up, actually, on the previous point in terms of open receivers, Mac Jones has 600 more yards than anyone in the country to thrown to open receivers, like yards that are in his stat sheet, more than 600 yards clear of any other quarterback in the country to open receivers because his receivers are bonkers. Going back to that Fields comparison, he has like twice the the yards as Fields did. So Fields had like, uh, I want to say about 1,600 yards uh, or so throwing to open receivers. Mac Jones had over 3,200 yards on, on those throws. Like, yeah, it, it's absurd. What's funny too is that both of the these players have played the same number of games. They've both played, I think, 17 games in their college or started 17 games in their college career. I forget if it started or played in because I know that Jones came in uh, a little bit later last season and, and kind of finished a couple of games because of to his injury. But I think that they their body of work, interestingly enough, is similar. It's just the difference is that Mac Jones is doing it at Alabama and the SEC and doing it in the, the college football championship. And uh, Trey Lance is doing it against uh, Youngstown State. The Penguins. <laughs> the Penguins. <laughs> which is an amazing thing to see on an all 22 when you pull that up and literally the first word out of David Newman's mouth is, is, is that a penguin? <laughs> Dude, it was, just, I had no idea. Yeah. It was, it was a wonderful surprise. It's the, and it's wearing a scarf. Yeah. And it's, it looks very angry and it, it's, it's such, it seems so natural when you're talking about hockey. It's like the Pittsburgh penguins. Yeah. Totally get it. Makes sure. sense. Been yeah. there forever. The Youngstown State Penguins definitely threw me for a loop, but I love every second of it. <laughs> it was it was definitely one of the the highlights of watching Trey Lance film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, you know talking about accuracy with with Lance, like like you mentioned, that's that's really where things start to to diverge with him from the rest of this class. And I think this is um, by far my my biggest concern with him is his accuracy just isn't there. And so getting back to kind of the point that I was alluding to when we were talking about with him, him within the pocket, he, he can look good, right? So he can um, drop back and, and look nice in rhythm. He's got a nice wide base to him. He throws with good timing, throws to an open receiver, but then what happens at that point is just anyone's guess, right? That there are some throws where he puts that right on the money and it's great and it's a big play for their offense. And there are sometimes when he sails that receiver by 10 yards and it's just not even close. Like he has the the worst miss. It like I remember um it, it points when we were, you know, it, it kind of at Kaepernick's worst points um of his 49ers tenure and, and talking about some of his misses and how some of those were just like sailed. 10, 15 yards over a guy's head into the sideline, right? Like that's the type of stuff that you see pretty consistently with Trey Lance. Like the accuracy just isn't there. And, and that's always going to be one of the things that's difficult to fix. Like there's just not a, a large track record of guys who have been um, inaccurate throwers at, at basically throughout their careers, right at the college level, and then suddenly become very accurate passers once they get to the NFL. It just doesn't really happen. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons why lots of people are saying that Lance is a project is because you want him to be able to develop these things. I think what worries me is that his mechanics do look so clean and he throws inaccurate footballs. I think if you if you think about the 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 inverse of that where it's like, yeah, look, his mecha- his mechanics look sloppy, they're not consistent. So you would think to yourself you can bring some consistency to that and, and actually get him some and actually improve that accuracy. Now, though, you're like, okay, his base looks wide, his mechanics look pretty good, um, but it's still kind of all over. It's, it's still a little scattershot, um, and, that, and that does, I think, concern me because you're right. I mean, what, what can you think of a quarterback that there, there's lots of examples of quarterbacks with bad accuracy that continue to be bad? I think maybe Josh Allen is the only one that people are thinking of. That yeah, he, has I mean, gone he's got to like be bad to good. He's got to be the name that that pops up because of the season he had last year. But even that is like, I'm you know, not to turn this into a Josh Allen thing, but like that's an unknown. That's still a question mark, right? He did it for one season, and and he certainly looked good last year, and that was um, a big improvement over his previous baseline. But we have no idea whether that's going to stick. Like there, there's a, a chance that that's just a career year, and he never approaches those sort of accuracy numbers again. But if he did, if he did maintain that, I think that would be easily the biggest success story in terms of fixing um, a history of inaccuracy 
um, at the NFL level and, and, and continuing that. Like just, I mean, I can't think of anybody in the last, I don't know, 10, at least as long as we've been doing this, that that's been able to make that sort of transition. Well, and the other bit of that, I think, is you you think about the change and, and the increase in accuracy, but that's one player and that's one example. Drafting Tom Brady in the sixth round does not mean that the strategy should be to find sixth round quarterbacks and go <laughs> ahead and, and turn them in and develop them into Tom Brady, right? That, that is the, uh, that's not the rule, that's the exception. And, and Josh Allen could still have these numbers for the rest of his career, and it could still not be the case that it is easy or common for a quarterback to go from a, a, to having poor accuracy to having very, very good accuracy. So I think when, when you talk about their accuracy, this is actually where Mac Jones kind of shines as long as he stays in the pocket. We talked about it, Jones's performance in the pocket. It's, it's pretty good. But uh, when, when you think about his big-time throws, when you think his big-time throw was pretty good, 7.4%. He kept the ball out of harm's way. But then when he moves out of the pocket, his accuracy crumbles i mean it it completely falls apart he is th that split be in accuracy between in the pocket and out of the pocket is pretty stark yeah he goes from basically being so i think there there are kind of two areas um where mac jones struggles to place the ball accurately and i think one of them is the 20 plus throws there's a there's definitely a, a decent decline there um and i think a lot of that has to do with with arm strength issues and stuff like that um you know depending on when he he's getting the ball out within the time of the play sometimes he just doesn't have the juice to get it there and on some of the throws that he's trying to make and, and again he benefited there, there are a lot of big plays because of the receivers and the offense and the number of open throws and all those things we've been talking about um but but that's kind of one area where he goes essentially if you look at stuff under 20 yards um he's the most accurate passer in this class and then if you look at the stuff beyond 20 yards, it's basically only Trey Lance below him. So he kind of falls down to the bottom of the pack. And, and, and so that's one area. And then the other area is once he leaves the pocket. I mean, he, he offers, we, we talked a lot about with Fields and Wilson, a big part of that conversation was what they offer out of structure and, and out of the pocket, right? When things break down and, and what you drew up in the huddle isn't there, they still have the ability to create plays and, and make things happen for your offense. Um, Jones doesn't offer that at all. There's just nothing there that he's going to be able to provide when, when things break down. Now, I do want to get to the, the movement skills and, and what that means for them in second chance opportunities. But th there are a couple of things I want to dig into in the kind of their in-pocket work and their accuracy. Uh, a lot, I think, has been made of Trey Lance and his his what he does at the line of scrimmage, and and what the coaches at North Dakota State ask him to do, what they put on him in terms of installs. Um, and, and I think Nate Tice had a really neat anecdote about him kind of changing protection and and, and changing the the play in front of him, and and kind of hitting the right read afterwards. Is there any appreciable difference that you can find between what Jones is doing in terms of processing and what Lance is doing, um, even not considering their, their kind of level of competition, just what they're able to display on tape, knowing that like, you know, we're not, we're only going to have a certain degree of what we can figure out with what we know about how they play, right? No one knows exactly what's going on. Um, but is there anything that, that jumped out at you one way or the other in terms of what they do in terms of processing? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, in in terms of recognizing a lot of that stuff on tape, it can be difficult without some some inside knowledge, you know, on that offense and what they're doing and and what, um, you know, talking to coaches and stuff like that. I think that's like some an area where where somebody like Tice right is going to be able to have some connections and talk to some coaches and and figure out a little bit more about what they were asking these guys to do. As as far as seeing that stuff on tape, I think it's it's difficult and. I would honestly consider, I mean, don't get me wrong, you you would, I think, in most situations, um, have prefer to have the quarterback that has, you know, the the mental understanding of the offense to the point where you're trusting him to make a lot of decisions, right? And, and kind of putting the, the the keys in his hand and letting him kind of run that ship. Uh, I, I think that's always going to be, you know, a, a generally a positive thing, but it, it kind of comes back to that accuracy Thing for me because like if if Trey Lance makes a check at the line of scrimmage and he gets him in in a better play and he finds a, the right read because of that check and then he sails it 10 yards over his head it doesn't fucking matter you know you know what I mean so if it comes to the guy that's just gonna 
okay, he can't make any adjustments, but he's going to run Kyle Shanahan's plays and, and do it exactly like he says. And when those open receivers are there, he's going to be able to, to hit them in stride and complete a high percentage of those passes. Like, I'm still going to take that guy. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point. I think that there's that's ultimately that's what good quarterbacking, like if you really want to oversimplify good quarterbacking, the best ones are able to process what's happening, but then able to execute based on what it is that they're seeing. Um, and, and you can get to that execution a lot of different ways um, with anticipation or, you know, with kind of knowledge of the system. You can do it with actual physical tools, with arm strength by getting the ball there just a beat faster because you can throw it harder. Um, so there's lots of ways to do it. But ultimately, it's being able to process what's happening, both pre and post snap, and then execute based on what you're seeing. Um, and it sounds like with Trey Lance, at least, the, the hope and what's kind of tantalizing about him is that if you can correct those things, he's got the, physicals, the physical tools to really do a lot of wonderful things. I mean, we, we didn't spend a ton of time talking about his arm, but man, it really, like, it is very, very apparent that he throws a very, very, uh, like, he throws it hard. It, the, the nose of the football just doesn't dip when he's throwing those intermediate sideline shots. It's just, you know, that frozen rope that you talk about. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just kind of on the line out to the wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, and it's probably something we should, we should talk about. kind of, um, you know, forgot about that as we were, we were talking about some things that we wanted to, to mention with these guys, but I mean, it's worth bringing up, I think, considering how much we talked about that stuff with fields and Wilson, like I think, Fields, Wilson, and and Lance all have very good arms. They all have like high level elite arms in terms of the the strength that they've got, the velocity that they're able to throw with, and and just the ability to make throws to every level. Um, you know that that you want them to be able to get to. So I, I think yeah, absolutely, that's a, a big difference. And Mac Jones, you know, I kind of mentioned it before with the the deep stuff, but he it's a noticeable drop, right? Like he has to win with accuracy and with timing like that's where he's going to to be able to make his money right so it it kind of what you can do if you can do that stuff consistently at a high level you you absolutely can be a very successful quarterback at the nfl level i think it just kind of shrinks your margin for error right because if your timing is a bit off and you're a little bit late you don't have the juice to be able to make up for that right and, and so it can kind of leave you and i think that's that showed with a lot of his turnover worthy plays right like he didn't have a ton of them um but he had very few of them that were like kind of bad misreads where where he just didn't really uh see a player on on the defense and like misread the coverage and threw it right to a guy like he really only had like a couple of those plays throughout his career um which, which is You're talking about Jones? Yeah, talking about Jones which is a, a very, you know, low number. Most of his, you know, turnover worthy plays were misses, right? Where where he just didn't and a lot of them were down the field stuff where he just didn't have the strength to be able to drive the ball to the area that you wanted him to be able to. So I think, yeah, when, when you talk about, you know, velocity and, and what they can bring from an arm talent standpoint, that's definitely a big difference when, when looking at Lance and Jones. Yeah. With Jones too, one of the things that was interesting was he on, especially on those deeper shots, he would often hang the ball inside. If, if it yep. was going to be an interceptable ball, it's because the ball would be left inside and, and yeah, that's, that's not really good because you might be able to get away with that in college, but in the pros, you're going to pay even more so than you will uh, in, in college. The other time that he would really begin to, to have some really boneheaded plays are when he was outside the pocket. There's one interception where he's just like falling down and makes <laughs> just a ridiculous throw to, to try to get to, to the receiver and it just gets picked off. It's, it's not a good thing. I mean, it is... It is not good to watch when you get to those second chance opportunities. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. So let's talk about the second chance opportunities because that's that's really where if if the two quarterbacks are comparable in terms of what they can do within the pocket, their footwork is clean, they look good on rhythm, they both work well within structure, but they divert in terms of accuracy. Jones is a much more accurate quarterback than Lance is. When you get to their movement skills, this is where they diverge once again, quite starkly. But Lance 
is much better than Jones in this regard because Mac Jones just does not seem to be able to put much together working outside of structure. Yeah, there, there's just nothing there. I mean, um, I, I I don't think that he is going to really offer uh, much of anything there. I mean, he's going to have to be, if he's going to succeed at a high level, like he's going to have to be, um, you know, and I don't, I'm just picking this name because it's, it, it's uh, a one that everybody knows and, and has watched a lot, but it's like, it's going to have to be a Brady-esque type of thing where he's just so ruthlessly efficient within the structure of the offense and is able to kind of master everything that he's doing offensively, master what defenses are trying to do to him in, in, in terms of recognition and be able to get to the ball the right place. Because when when things break down, if he can't do it within structure, it's just not happening. That play is just kind of a sunk play. Um, and, and to his credit, he doesn't he doesn't take a lot of sacks. And so he does, I think he can like maneuver within the pocket well enough and, and kind of um, do some of those things to at least get the ball out of his hand and not you know, take a lot of negative plays necessarily, which is, is certainly a positive in, in his, um, you know, on his list. But yeah, I, I think it, when it comes to there, there's such a huge difference because that's one of the, the big strengths of every other quarterback that we've been talking about. That's, that's likely to be an option here is right. What they offer outside of structure when they're on the move. And this is one of the area when you get to Lance now, like it's, it's one of the only areas where his accuracy creeps up to the rest of the pack. Um, and, and he's not dead last when you look at ball location numbers, um, when you get him on the move, right. Whether that's with designed rollouts or stuff with scrambles and, and, and whatnot, once the play is kind of broken down. So his accuracy kind of, cause generally speaking, accuracy dips on the move for, for basically every quarterback. It's kind of like a pressure thing, right? Just kind of everybody moves down a little bit. Once you, you get out of the on out on the move and, and you aren't throwing, um, within rhythm from the pocket. So Lance kind of doesn't have as, as stark of a difference um, when you're looking at kind of some of those numbers. Of the big four available quarterbacks, so if you take uh, Lawrence off the table, uh, Mac Jones has the highest percentage of inaccurate throws while on the move. When, when he, That's where he is last. And, and he's not so when you're talking about overall accuracy, especially in the short and intermediate areas. He's incredibly accurate. But as soon as you make that guy move, all of a sudden the wheels literally fall off. Uh, in some cases, um, quite disastrously. There was a play that I tweeted out against A&M where he, it just, it is an exercise in futile scrambling ability. He tries to make one guy miss, and in the process of making that guy miss, his entire body just decides to quit on him. His entire body just says, no, this is not what you do. Sit your ass down. And he just falls over. And, and, and we saw plays... Almost every game, whether it be Lance, whether it be Fields, like they're just they're they're turning that into a positive play. They're turning that into yards. They're turning that into another chance to throw at a guy downfield. Um, even Wilson has some wiggle to him when you get him in kind of short area. Although he's not as athletic nearly as Lance or as Fields, but you're you're absolutely right. If if you're picking someone like Jones, it's because you think that the damage that he can do within the pocket is is so much better than what he could need to do outside the pocket that you're willing to take that risk um and and that's an interesting it's an, it's an interesting place to be if you end up taking someone like Jones yeah which which I think like look if if we were having this conversation um you know I think when say like even just when we first started doing this podcast right like I think it's a very different conversation. I think a lot of people are looking at Mac Jones as, as maybe the guy that's right there with Trevor Lawrence, you know, as in terms of the top of this class, because that, you know, sort of out of structure playmaking ability just wasn't as prized. Um, you know, and I think that's something that's new or I get to, to the NFL. Right. And, and I think, but we're to a point now where most of the best quarterbacks in the NFL offer this ability, right? They, they, they give you something once the play breaks down to where you can still create positive things for your offense. And, and so I think, yeah, it, it does feel like something that really is missing from his game and it stands out from the rest of these guys. Um, and I think the other thing really to bring you know, in this kind of area with Lance is, I, I mean, the, the ability that he offers in the design run game too. We talked about this a little bit with fields and, and how I think that it would be interesting. Like, I, I feel like there's part of Shanahan that is, is really, 
interested in having a guy that can be part of his designed run game because he's so good at designing that like right like everything that they do in the run game to create angles for their blocks and and to just like scheme up little things to give them an advantage in the run game when you add a quarterback that can now run and and is a legitimate threat back there like that opens up just a a, a completely different ball game there that he can uh, and and a whole bunch of other tools that he can throw out there at at these defenses. And so I feel like there's part of him that probably would, would really love to have that. And Lance, I almost feel like Lance has got to be, you maybe don't go full Lamar Jackson, but like you, you are leaning that direction, right? You are going to really change the way that you're going to run things offensively to really fit that, into what you're doing because if not you're just not if you if you're looking at Lance purely as a passer he's just not there with the rest of these guys yeah and that's where I, I while I do think that Shanahan is open to including those zone read elements that that are dangerous when used at times I don't know that he wants to go full Lamar in fact I would say he probably doesn't I think he's probably evolved a little bit in his thinking in terms of what he wants a quarterback, but I certainly don't think he wants to go full Lamar. Yeah. Um, and and so I think if if he does end up drafting someone like Lance, I think it's going to be because he can th- he thinks he can develop him as a pocket passer and and leverage those second chance opportunities elsewhere. Um, you know, I think that the if you look at these quarterbacks as a whole, and we talk about what their what their styles are. Um, kind of what we would say about them and say like if, if you know to describe Lance it's this to, to describe Jones it's this I think with Trey Lance he, he's kind of like a shotgun he's powerful but he's a little scattershot it's like if, if you're really really close you're likely gonna die but if you're far away I don't know like could miss entirely could be bang on not oh, sure God. it's just he's a bit That's of a good. shotgun I like it um, but you know I think where he wins overall arm strength navigating the pocket he's got really clean feet um he's got good mechanics i think from like at his feet there is a little bit of like like a little loopy delivery but like i mean look philip rivers can succeed in the nfl with his shot put delivery mac jones has a little bit of philip rivers in him in terms of his delivery um you know like as long as they're throwing it and they can throw fine they're, they're gonna be okay um and and really with the issue with lance is where um his his accuracy is really it's like and that's a a, a stark issue i think overall and if you're drafting someone like trey lance you're thinking that you can fix accuracy and that's i think a tough proposition yeah i i I mean it really is like you can be good at everything else about playing the quarterback position but if you don't have accuracy it none of it matters like it, it just it all falls apart if you can't ultimately deliver the ball where it needs to be to guys that are open you know and 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 make those throws that are there to be thrown like um, yeah. So I think it's tough. It, it, it definitely, I think dampens, like I, I didn't go in, like I knew he was going to be more of a toolsy type of guy, like a Josh Allen type of, of prospect, right. Which is like the physical ability is, is clearly there. And, and when it's good, it is really fucking good. Like some of his, his high end plays are just really great. A lot of fun to watch, but man, the bad is really bad. Like it, it's just his bad is way worse than everybody else's bad in this class. And, and it's just, it all comes down to not being able to put the ball where he wants it consistently. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit of a roller coaster. It's up and down. And, and the thing is, is these, these quarterbacks don't have to be finished prospects when they get to the NFL. So really it's a question and we'll get to this a little bit later of what do you think that you can fix? What do you think you can develop? in the NFL as a coaching staff. And that's a question that Shanahan and, and Scangarello and the rest of that offensive staff have got to ask themselves, what can I fix with, with Jones? I think the, you know, there's, there's a huge swath of the fan base that would revolt if the Niners drafted Mac Jones uh, at three. And, and honestly, I, I get why I do. If, if Lance is a shotgun I think Jones is kind of like, and I don't want to make a player comp here, but it's just the one that kept coming into my head. It's like he's Jimmy Garoppolo, but with the deep ball because he works well within the structure. But once things break down, like it's basically game over at that point. And Jimmy Garoppolo outside of a couple of games in 2017 doesn't really do much when things break down. Um, But Jimmy Garoppolo, when things are clean around him, when he's protected, does have, um, you know, some really positive things that he can do within the offense. I think if you're looking where where Mac Jones wins, 
He wins with his accuracy in the short and intermediate areas. He wins with his processing. He has a very, very strong command of that offense. Um, and if you think about where he can improve, it really is making plays outside of his structure. And, and then there's the thing that he can't improve, which is just, well, I mean, you can improve your arm strength, but he's already coming at such a deficient space that the, the ground he'd have to make up even to get to like base level fields or base level lance is a pretty, pretty big delta. But there are quarterbacks who have improved their arm strength over the course of their career, Tom Brady among them. But that's, you know, you can't, we've talked about Tom Brady a couple times already. If you keep saying like, well, Tom Brady did it. Well, Tom Brady did it. It's like, okay, maybe <laughs> at some point you got to think to yourself like, okay, but like yeah. not, there's the, there's a reason that not everyone is Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and, and, and even then, right. So you talk about a guy improving arm strength. I don't think it's, it's unheard of, but there there is certainly like a natural ability element there right you can do things mechanically like this is kind of what brady did right is is more just like completely maximizing what his body has to offer through just being perfect mechanically and and really working at it over the course of his entire career right and so eating that, a lot of avocado ice cream yeah this is the key takeaway just you know getting rid of nightshades all that shit right um, it, it's yeah. So you can do things like that potentially, right? That's the path. If you're, you're trying to go that route, um, and, and to just maximize what your body has to offer, but his body is still like, there, there's a cap on how good that arm can be. Right. And it's not as good as these other guys. And, and that's just kind of the, the reality that he's working with. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know that, yeah, there's much that he's going to improve on making plays outside of structure. Like, I, I really think that like, that's probably not going to be a thing that that is ever a big part of his game. I think like what he needs to do is really double down on what he does well and just be so good at those things that you don't have to that that becomes such a big subset of your overall plays that you're just so good within structure and diagnosing defenses that like suddenly 80% of your plays, your dropbacks, right, are just in that environment that you excel in. And, and um, you don't have to really worry about doing those other things very often, right? And, and if they come up, like, yeah, it might, you know, there might be games where um, the defense has his number. And, and this is kind of like the things that you see with Brady, right, sometimes when he has bad games. Like, um, you know, it, the, the, if, if the defense is on it and, and they've kind of, you know, got you a little confused and, and you're not, they're not where you expect them to be. And so suddenly you kind of lose that edge. Like there's not really a plan B with those guys, right? Like they, they can't kind of fall back on anything else. And I don't know that he's ever going to, to gain that ability. What do you think about the level of competition that Lance and Jones played against? Cause I remember when we were watching the Trey Lance tape at one point in, in the game against Illinois state, the note that I have at the end of the second quarter is that he got away with a throw because of the level of competition. Like a, a safe or a corner that can make a break on that ball that doesn't have FCS speed but has SEC speed may make that play. And an NFL player m most assuredly makes that play. Is there something with the level of competition that even begins to separate Lance and Jones? Definitely. Yeah, I think it has to be part of, of that process, right? Like, um, I think that the example that you mentioned there is is really something that stuck out to me, which was like because of the inaccuracy, right? It, it he didn't end up Lance didn't have a lot of turnover worthy plays because he he didn't make a lot of I don't think he's he's got issues from a decision making standpoint, right? I, I don't think that he makes a lot of poor decisions and and puts the ball in harm's way because of that. But there were definitely plays where the accuracy is off. And because of, you know, defenses at the FC level, FCS level just being what they are and, and not being as good, um, especially the SEC or, or the NFL level, of course, like the, the, there just wasn't a lot of like he didn't pay for any of those. Right. You could miss a guy by five yards and there's just nobody defensively that's there to take advantage of it. Right. And, and so there were definitely a number of throws where it's like, oh, he missed that. But like this safety had no idea what he was fucking doing. Like, and, and, and if this was an NFL defense, like that, that could be, I could see how that's dangerous, right? Like, so I, I could see yeah. him getting to the NFL still struggling with accuracy and, and suddenly 
turning the ball over at a much higher rate than he did at college and, and largely being the same player. It's just the defense that that's different. And I think, yeah, when, when you're looking at Mac Jones, like, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. He has, you know, his own concerns about that offense and the talent level that they're working with at Alabama that makes things difficult, but you're watching them against defenses and you're like, Oh yeah, well that's, that's a corner that's going to be in the NFL next year. Like, you know, you're watching them against LSU or whatever it is. And it's like, oh yeah, that guy, that corner might be the first corner off the board next year. And, and so you see them against competition that you know is good and, and against NFL caliber players. And it just removes, I think, one of the question marks, right, is is kind of all it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think for me, it just makes the projection easier. And I know that not necessary that that you shouldn't just always necessarily take the easy route. That's not to say that you should never draft a, a player who played at the FCS level or who played against lesser competition. Uh, I mean, hell, the Big Twelve you still draft players from there. What up, hook them, <laughs> hook them horns. Uh, so, you, I mean, that that's it's just more of a projection. Yeah. There's more uncertainty there. And when you're trading as many picks as the Niners traded to get here, all I'm saying is I'd like a little bit of certainty, as much as you can find. Nothing is certain. None of these quarterbacks are necessarily going to be good. The order in which they're drafted doesn't mean that's the order in which they're going to be good. So I'm just trying to find some certainty. And I don't know that UC Davis is what makes me feel certain about this. Uh, the, the Denton, uh, North Texas, you know, not necessarily what makes me feel great. UNT, not, not the place I want to hit up. Um, yeah, I, I literally... I felt bad when I when we were watching uh, Trey Lance film because the whole time I'm asking David, like, David, what team is this? <laughs> who, who is this? Is this Illinois State or Northern Illinois? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure uh, which is which, but, you know, hey, here we are. Here we are. The level of competition does matter. Uh, last note, I think, on Trey Lance before we get to what we would do is the the fact we talked about concepts a little bit. I did see Lance run a few of the concepts that we see Shanahan run. I mean, we saw Blazer. We saw the leak play. We saw a couple of play action shots. Uh, we saw some deep posts. Um, so when you're thinking about, you know, uh, plays that are run that are Shanahan-esque in terms of what they ask the quarterback to do, Trey Lance did run a few of them. So, I mean, I, I could see if you're looking for projection bits uh, that there within all the things that we're talking about. You know, it's like the competition's not that great and, you know, the, the accuracy was still not always there, but... You know, if if you're going to see some smoke and mirrors with the plays that he's running, uh, there were a couple of concepts that, that we were able to recognize, which was interesting. Yeah, which I, I mean, I think like yeah, definitely you get, I, I think, more of that from Lance being under center so often at North Dakota State, which is like another interesting note that uh, as we were kind of looking at things, Mac Jones, actually the guy who spent the least amount of time under center of any of these quarterbacks. So but yeah, I think at this point, kind of everybody borrows a little bit from that that kind of Shanahan play action, you know, there, there's just so many teams that are doing that stuff. Um, that I think even when you're operating out of the gun, you know, we saw it with Wilson, we saw it with fields. We, we saw it a little bit, maybe with Mac Jones. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of just about everybody has a play action concept in their playbook at this point that has a deep post with a, a crosser underneath it in the inter, in, intermediate. Right. So I think you, you definitely see some of that stuff there, but yeah, Lance getting to spend more time, under center in a more, you know, I guess, traditional NFL type offense. We are going to break down both these quarterbacks on the Patreon with some examples of what it is that we're talking about. If you want to see what a penguin looks like in the center of a football field, <laughs> uh, buy us a beer, sign up on the Patreon. We've already got the uh, Wilson tape up. The Justin Fields breakdown goes up on Friday. That's already scheduled to go out. And, uh, and then we'll have our Lance and Jones videos out next week. So, David, let's talk really quickly about what you value. We've talked about all four quarterbacks now at this point, what they do well, what they don't do well, or rather where they can improve and maybe some other questions to consider. Um, what, what do you value and what would you do? Um, so I think from, from a value standpoint, and number one, it should be no surprise at, at this point after this conversation, but it, it's got to be accuracy, right? Like, I think ultimately you can't be a consistently viable starting option as an NFL quarterback if you can't operate within the structure of the offense and hit the open guys that are that are there for you, that are schemed up for you accurately. 
if you can't do it, you just, you just can't succeed at this level. It's not going to be there. So I think that that has to be number one. Um, and then I really like after that, I, I, you know, I really like the guys that offer that extra bit of playmaking ability. I think it just makes a huge difference, you know, for your offense when things break down, because you're going to have plays like that, right? You're going to have plays where, you know, something happens and the timing of the play is thrown off because a receiver slips or he gets jammed really hard at the line of scrimmage or whatever it is, right? Or, or just maybe that day, like the defense is really good and, and you need to be able to find a way to create plays, right? And, and still get create positive things for your offense. And so that ability to, um, you know, still create positive things for your offense when things aren't perfect, whether that's getting out of the pocket, whether that's from within muddy pockets, I think it gets back to that kind of like, you know, off platform arm angle type stuff, right? Where you can just, when things aren't great, you can still deliver an accurate ball and, and make something happen. So I think that's kind of the, the, the two big areas for me, um, that, that I've really been looking at with these guys. Yeah, I think for me, I, I kind of break it down into three areas, which are, are very, very similar. And, and I don't even know if they're necessarily in this order, but for me, it's the ability to win from the pocket. And, and I take that as the ability to process what's happening both pre and post snap, and then your ability to accurately deliver the football. There's something that, that Bill Walsh says, which is, does, you know, does the quarterback throw a catchable football? Um, I think part of that is the quarterback's touch, knowing what to put on the ball when. The other part of that is putting it in an accurate location throwing away from leverage, you know, putting it in front of a receiver when it needs to be in front, putting it on the back shoulder behind or it needs to be behind. Um, all those things, I think, go into throwing a catchable ball. And and then I think after you go to the ability to, of the quarterback to win from the pocket, to me then, I want that quarterback to attack all areas of the field. I think the Niners are used to seeing what happens when a quarterback is very limited to certain areas of the field. And I think you can only get by for so far with that type of quarterback. And so you want a quarterback that can attack all areas of the field. And then you want a quarterback that can create secondary opportunities. And, and that is being able to work outside of structure, being able to work outside the pocket, being able to move both within and outside the pocket. And when, you know what, there's a blitz and everyone's in man coverage and their backs are the quarterback and you can sneak through a lane and end up getting seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yards and keep that offense on schedule. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is like the king of this. You know, it's like Russell Wilson does it well too. Patrick Mahomes does yep. it. I think it, it was once a time where you had to pick between the ability to do that and the ability to throw the ball. And this is why I think players like Steve Young were so revolutionary in their time. And now I think that's kind of almost like the baseline expectation for top level quarterbacks. Like you kind of expect them to be able to throw and be able to do enough damage with their legs to to be able to keep an offense on schedule when everything else breaks down. Um, and, and so that's that's really what I would value in terms of the quarterbacks that we've that we've discussed so far. When you're when you're trading up to, to three, when you're giving up this much capital, I would want that quarterback to be able to tick most if not all those boxes. Um, so which quarterback let's let's presume that Wilson's off the table. Wilson seems to be the presumptive favorite to, to be picked at two for the Jets. So that leaves Fields, that leaves Lance, and that leaves Mac Jones. I'll ask you two questions, David. First, rank those... Well, I guess the ranking of the quarterbacks. I didn't think that question through. This is like the top chef question. Fuck it. Which <laughs> one would you pick? Um, I, I think it's Fields, and I don't think it's close. I, I, I think with the four that we've talked about, it, it very much like the way that we ended up, you know, splitting them up are, are two very distinct tiers for me. Like, I, I think that they're, uh, that Wilson and Fields are kind of a clear level above the other two, right? I, I think they just offer more, right? They check more of the boxes, like you said, like the, the, just as you're going through the list of things that you want to have in a quarterback that, that can perform at a high level, they do more of those things. Like when it gets to the point where you're with, you know, Lance and, and Jones, you can see a, a path forward, right? So we can, we can sit here and we can outline, I think what their successful path in the NFL looks like. And, and, and that very well may happen, right? And they may end up realizing that and being great players, but but there is more unknown with them, and and they just I think have fewer things overall with their game that they can do, and I, I think it just 
um, reduces the margin for error, right? Like, like we were talking about with Jones, like I, I think in order to reach that high level, that truly like elite caliber player and quarterback in the NFL, like he's going to have to be so, so good at, at working within structure and delivering the ball accurately. Like it, it needs to be Drew Brees, like Tom Brady level type uh, of work from within the pocket in order to do that. Um, I think when you just look at where the NFL is right now, like you look at it last season, the top 10 graded uh, quarterbacks at PFF. I mean, there are basically two of them that don't really offer anything, um, you know, out of structure or kind of um, with that playmaking ability. And that's Brady. And then I think Derek Carr at 10, like everybody else in there can move. It has some athleticism, can create out of structure and and kind of make some of those plays so i think it, it just yeah is where the game's heading and i think it it just gives you more options right and, and and so yeah i think fields is the guy that kind of checks the most boxes of you know that kind of if we assume wilson is off the board um of of the remainder of that group who's your fourth and who's your fifth quarterback um i would go oh man it's tough um because if I had to, if I was picking, um, like who, who I thought was most likely to be successful, right. If that's how I was kind of like ranking them, I would probably pick Jones and then Lance, um, as, as the fifth one. I'm not sure though, that that's like the order I want the 49ers picking them though. Like yeah. part of me does want like the, the thing that you have with Jones is, is I think a pretty high floor. Um, right. I, I think that the path to success is, is clear for him. He already does kind of that baseline foundational stuff that you want to see, um, pretty well. And so I think that there's a, a very likely path for him to just be one of the, the many middle of the road average NFL quarterbacks that can, you know, maybe put it together a season or two and be really good, but it's just kind of largely going to be lumped right in the middle most seasons. Um, whereas with, I, you know, he doesn't offer the same sort of high end. I think that the, the number of scenarios that work out to him being, you know, a top three, top five type quarterback is, is just not really there. And and so I think that's the appeal with Lance, right? Like, and, and why I feel like if you're going to trade up and, and give up all of these picks, you want to have the elite type ceiling. And, and so you know, I don't know. Lance is definitely the type of prospect that I've really leaned heavily against. Like I think that the, the guys that are all tools and, and can't throw the ball accurately, I think just so rarely succeed, uh, in the NFL, but at least I would feel like the 49ers are, are kind of taking a shot to really get something that they don't have at the quarterback position already and, and really look for a guy that can kind of blow the ceiling off. Right. And, and offer that elite type upside. That's the part that interests that interests me most about this decision is really it's going to be a window into what Shanahan really wants out of a quarterback. Does he want the safe pick? Does he want the guy who's going to execute the pretty pictures on the the page that he draws up? I mean, Mac Jones's pitch to NFL teams and offensive coordinators was I'm going to do exactly what the coach tells me to do. <laughs> like that's your pitch. I will be the docile runner of your plays that you want me to be. I will only ever do what you tell me. I will not have a thought of my own. Like that, that just seems kind of, I don't know, weird. Like I get it on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like, I, I don't know that, that kind of, I, I, that's not someone that I, that I would necessarily want. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you're, I, I'm right there with you. I think fields and it's not even close. If Wilson's off the table, I think fields does so many things well already that the one thing that you may need to speed up is how he processes. And you already have one explanation for why that processing looks slow. And that's because of Ohio State's offense and the amount of option routes that they have at the top of the stem, which if you were to remove that, I wonder how quickly he would operate. But then on top of that, I would trust Shanahan and the San Francisco coaching staff to fix how a quarterback sees the game more than I would get them to get him to throw accurately. Like that, I feel like processing and seeing is much more correctable through coaching and repetition than accuracy. Yeah, it feels like the area that good coaching can make the biggest difference for sure. And, and it, Fields yeah. does so many other things so well. I mean, he's incredibly accurate. He's a big guy. He's durable. Like he, he the dude breaks ribs and still keeps playing. 
You know, he can offer things in the run game as a runner. He can create seconds. He's accurate outside of the pocket. He's accurate inside the pocket. He's good at all areas of the field. I mean, it just, he is both the high-end tools guy and the brain work ethic guy. And then he needs some help kind of being put in advantageous situations that can help him see the game better. Well, guess what? You have this offensive savant that can explain the why behind every single play that he draws up. It's like, why wouldn't you want to marry that physical talent performing at the highest level with someone who can hopefully bring all that stuff even to another level? You know, and, and that's why I think too that even though I think the tape of Lance is not as good as Jones in every single instance, that's why I would still put uh, Lance over Jones. Because the, the hope there is that those tools develop into something that becomes more like Justin Fields is right now. But I do feel like everyone's kind of overthinking it with Fields. Yeah, like Fields but- hasn't been talked about for so long. And it's just like, and I get that we've got to have shit to talk about because the draft still isn't <laughs> for like another two or three weeks. But like, I, it's like, I think it's like everyone just forgot how good Justin Field was. And he's like, he's really fucking good. Yeah, dude. Like it, it really is. So I, I think the more interesting, and this is kind of the part that we've, I, I think largely focused on is right. Like, who do you choose between, um, Mac Jones and Trey Lance? Because I think that's a more interesting conversation because that they are, it feels like a step kind of below the, the top three guys in this class. And, and, who you choose out of those two, I think says something about what you want at that position, but I don't understand how you could possibly take Trey Lance over Justin Fields, because like you mentioned, the, the, from, from the, the trait, like tool standpoint, that there is going to be minimal difference. Like, yeah. Okay. Maybe Lance puts a little bit more velocity on the ball, but like, come on, it's not going to be anything that, that matters or that's noticeable. Um, same thing is as far as like the, the run game stuff, right? Like, um, maybe Lance is, is a slightly better runner and gives you a little bit more there, but it's not a significant difference. And then when you build in the fact that, that Justin Fields has been the most accurate quarterback in this class for multiple seasons, he, he did it. He's the only guy that we're talking about here, you know, so excluding Trevor Lawrence, um, that's done this for multiple seasons at a high level, right? Like even Zach Wilson, who, um, you know, we, we really love like, because of the injuries and stuff that he dealt with in 2019, like he he didn't have that same sort of high level play. Like Fields has done this for two full seasons at a big conference against big time competition, doing it in the college football playoff. Like everything that you could possibly ask him to do at the college level, like he's pretty much done. Like yeah, I, I think like I I don't understand how you could could pass up Fields for one of these other two. Yeah, I think what what do you think Shanahan's gonna do though? Because God, I don't fucking know. my my hope my hope if you if you begin I I don't know that the Mac Jones stuff that the media is doing I, I do think it's a bit of an echo chamber I do think people kind of connected the dots and and looked at Mac Jones and looked at the other quarterbacks that that have been successful under Shanahan and they said oh he really wanted Kirk Cousins and he drafted C J Beathard and and they I think that that it is a bit of a media echo chamber I don't think that the Niners have leaked who it is that they want in terms of Mac Jones but I see the logic in someone attaching Mac Jones to Cal Shanahan. If you take a look at what he said, though, just this season in 2020, he was talking about elite traits and quarterbacks after he got his ass handed to him by Josh Allen. And, and he said, quote, so I evaluate quarterbacks in terms of trying to find people who can have a chance to be one of those elite type guys, and there's lots of different ways to do it. You can see now there's plenty of different ways, so I don't think that'll ever change. I don't think you have one certain thing you're looking for. You're just trying to find a guy who is better than about 98% of the people on this planet or in this country. And when you find that, you get him and you adjust to him. It seems like that's a little evolution in thinking. It seems like that's like, yeah, you know what? If you got a guy who's going to be able to run around, then you know what? You, You kind of adjust to him and you figure it out because he's that elite traits guy. That seems to point towards someone like a Justin Fields or maybe even a Trey Lance. Because I, I get Trey Lance. I get that you're swinging big and you're kind of betting on yourself to develop them. You know, and, and, I, and I think Justin Fields, obviously, we've talked about why he, we think he fits. Um, and then even if you go back to some of the stuff that he said about 27, in 2017, he said, quote, if you aren't an extremely talented thrower, which means it's effortless, you don't think about it. You don't have to go to all these quarterback gurus and work on your motion. You were born to throw. If you don't have that, it's very hard to succeed in this league. 
because you got to make some throws into tight windows on time with ball placement. It's hard to get people wide open in this league. I mean, that, if you're talking about tools, talented thrower, natural throwers, guys who throw it in tight windows, that is not necessarily Mac Jones. You talked about how it's going to take everything in his body that his squishy little McDonald's body can muster <laughs> to get the ball out and on time at an NFL level. But you look at Fields, you look at Lance, you look at Wilson, you look at Lawrence. Those guys just look like they were made to throw the football. You know, that is not what Mac Jones looks like when he throws the football. Yeah, dude. I mean, you hear those quotes and I immediately think like in this class, that's Trevor Lawrence, that's Justin Fields, that's Zach Wilson. Like, yeah. that that's not how you're describing, I think, Trey Lance. I don't think that's how you're describing Mac Jones. Like, I get it. Maybe Lance a little bit in, in terms of... I, I do uh, get Lance, especially the, with the under center stuff. Like, he had uh, the the most snaps under center by far. He had lots of play action. You know, he, he is good with the deep ball in terms of at least throwing the wide open guys and has the arm to get there. Like, I get that, which is why I would put him at fourth and not fifth, because I understand it. I get it. Um, but but man, I just you, you but, hear those things and you're like, how yeah. how is it not fields? Yeah, I, like to me that it really feels like we got up to three because we are equally comfortable with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields and we will take whichever one is there and be very happy with it. Like I, it's just hard to, to, to like read those quotes and, and to listen. And there's other ones too, right. That we've, we've talked about over time with Shanahan kind of talking about things like he's evolved his thinking a little bit in, in terms of what he's wanting uh, at the, at the quarterback position. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's just like, I don't know how you decide that I see these things in Mac Jones. So I'm willing to give up all of these resources to go up and make sure that I get Mac Jones. Like I, I, ju I just don't see it. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I don't get it, but what we're going to do is try to rationalize it because if it does happen, boy, oh boy, it's going to be interesting. If I mean, it does it, happen, it was real. Um, enjoyed doing the <laughs> podcast all of these years. Uh, but I'm out. I, I think it, if it does happen, it'll just prove to me that Shanahan values kind of processing an accuracy above all else. And he thinks that can overcome everything else. And, and to me, I think it will speak to a, a certain type of arrogance that I don't know is the kind of arrogance that lends itself towards successful head coaching over time. I think there's an arrogance that every head coach has that every really like super high successful individual has. That's that arrogance that toes the line between being destructive um, and and being, you know, kind of the thing that motivates you towards feeling like you're going to be great. Um, you know, I was talking to my CEO not too long ago, who's like, he's he's an interesting guy. Um, and, and he was saying like, look, I, I don't look at anything as a failure. Like everything is an opportunity to do, like to win or to do something or to get better. And it's like, I can think of several times where like I've thought to myself, this is an opportunity for failure, right? But he just, he, he views the world differently, right? And maybe that's why he's a CEO and, you know, I'm sitting here talking in a microphone. Um, but but I, I feel like, th th so there's some degree of arrogance there, I think, with high-performing individuals in that realm. But I think if he picks Mac Jones to me, what this tells me is that Shanahan thinks that all he needs is someone who will execute what he wants. And, and if he had the skills to play quarterback, he could go and win the Super Bowl. You know, it's like, I can do <laughs> yeah. it better than that guy. And, and that to me, I just think is, is wrong because I think that it's, it's when you get a quarterback like Mahomes that can do things that you're like, shit, would have never thought that could happen, but here we are, you know? Yep. It, it, like, it, that, that's where things really begin to sing. That's where things get kind of wild. And then he's got to let go a little bit of that control and, and give some of that risk up in order to, to, to really have the marriage of, you know, a, a preternatural talent and what he draws up on the page. And if he picks Mac Jones, I don't think he's gotten to that point in his career where he can actually let go enough to really, really win the, the big game to a certain degree. And, and at that point, then I don't know if that's going to be in San Francisco. Yeah, it's tough, dude. Like, uh, I, I think like it's hard because I, I, when you look at a lot of the other, the other decisions that they've made, right? Like that, there are certainly things that they've done that like, haven't worked out and and a lot of it's come from that same sort of like you know arrogance like that that we found our guy this is the one guy that can do these things that we we want him to be able to do 
and it doesn't matter. We're going to do whatever it takes to get this guy. And, and that hasn't always worked out for them. Um, you know, sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't. And, and, and so like, that's the, the line of thinking that makes me feel like, man, maybe there is something to this Mac Jones thing. But then again, the, the, the comments don't line up with, with Mac Jones, like the, the comments that he makes specifically about quarterbacks, um, and, and what he's looking for and what he's evaluating. I, I, I just, in this class, it doesn't line up. So yeah, I think that's what makes it so difficult to, to get a read on what they're thinking, right. And, and who they are leaning towards with this pick, because I think you can see it a lot of different ways, right? I think it, you can make a case for why they would go with almost any one of these guys that, that makes sense. And that's logical based on the, the previous decisions that they've made. Right. Well, here we are. We're what, like three weeks away, two and a half weeks away or so. And we're going to have to basically sit on this question until then. Uh, but the official position of the better rivals podcast is Justin Fields looks great in red is all I'm saying. He looks very, very good in red. It took a lot of me to not put him uh, in a 49ers uniform already on the cover of the Patreon video. Because um, I, I, like, I tried to see if it would fit, and I was like, no, I feel bad because like someone else actually put some effort into this edit. I didn't do it, and so like, I just you know, yeah. took a regular Ohio State picture. But anyway, we've got, we're going to have the Fields video up, or the, Fields, the, the Lawrence video is already or Lawrence, Jesus Christ. The Wilson video is already up. The Fields video is going to be up on Friday. Next week, we're going to be talking about not quarterbacks, we're going to be talking about cornerbacks because you know what? The Niners need some, and they might go with them in the second round. We're also going to talk about maybe some other options in the second round. Players that we might like, players that we think might be good fits, uh, and we're going to focus on really that kind of what, what players may be available in and around the second round because it's time to think about things that are not quarterback-related, uh, and we've got two weeks to do it. Uh, so thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they follow you? Um, I mean, you can follow me at PFF underscore David, but you're going to be much better off hitting up that Patreon, patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Buy us a beer again. We, we're going to have the draft content coming, uh, especially for the quarterbacks, which is, you know, obviously the thing on everybody's mind. But we will have um, stuff as well on, you know, whoever the guys that they ultimately pick, including the ones after the quarterback position at number three. Um, we'll have videos and, and stuff talking about all those guys as well. Do it for the Penguins. Do, Do it, it for, for the, the penguins. penguins. Do it for the Penguins. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, go Niners. <laughs>